W-H-Y-Y and Billy Penn. It is hitting season. Hey there, podcast pals. I'm John Stolnes from The Good Fight and Billy Penn. And you can follow me on Twitter at John Stolnes. Coming up, the relief market. Is there anybody left for the Phillies to get? We've been talking about relief pitchers a lot here on the podcast. I apologize. We're going to try and get away from relief pitcher talk exclusivity at some point here in the next few weeks. But um, we're also going to talk about some uh, some Phillies hitting over-unders. Uh, and, you know, Rob Thompson's out here talking about wanting to win the National League East in this economy. I don't think so. Uh, but we'll talk about that in a little bit as well. Just a few random things to get to here on this episode of the podcast. We're just going to have a little fun with it because it's kind of a, still a dead time here in the offseason while we wait for so many of these top free agents to sign and see if maybe there's somebody left on the vine for the Phillies uh, as we roll into February. Joining me here on this Monday night edition of the podcast, Justin Clue and Liz Rocher. Of course, Justin from Baseball Prospectus, The Dirty Inning, absolutely hammered. Follow him on Twitter at Justin underscore Clue. Justin, what's up, bud? You know, I saw uh, the Pro Football Talk account tweet something tonight um, where they were talking about. I had it up, but it's gone now. Um, it was talking about how. <laughs> of course, he, it's gone now. <laughs> he had spoken. To, he's like, a coach told me that uh, he viewed analytics jobs in football as a way for people who could never play football to be able to work in football. Or like people who would never have been able to work in football can work yes. in football. And it was, yeah, yeah it was just like, I, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but I think that's pretty close. That's it. You got it. Mm-hmm. And it was really funny because as some other baseball writers pointed out, it's really almost surreal watching these arguments that we had 10, 12 years ago in baseball start to kind of break out in other sports and watching yeah. it in real time. You're like, boy, I re- that you know what comes next is like every city's corniest columnist writing a column with the headline war, what is it good for? And yeah. whatever... Oh, absolutely nothing. Sorry, I forgot. That's an important part of the subhead. Uh, and I don't know what what <laughs> war's equivalent is in football, but it'll basically be a play on that. Like, that's the next wave of this. And I, yeah. I hope football fans can really look forward to that because it, it really brings about a, a wonderful era of discourse. I, I, I sent out a tweet like that earlier today as well. I, I said, an MLB, an analytically driven baseball team, looks like the San Francisco Giants under Gabe Kapler, an unwatchable, unenjoyable slog that eventually became unproductive because players and coaches don't believe in it and don't enjoy it. And I said, you know, it kind of feels like the NFL is having its moment of pushback with analytics that baseball had a few years ago. Mike Petriello, I think, tweeted the same thing like a minute after I tweeted this. And yes, I'm claiming credit for getting it first before Mike Petriello. He said, I think, and I said, I think, you know, because like you said, Justin, we back even even just as recently as the Joe Girardi era we were we were trying to look at analytics and the Phillies went too far in the other direction and we're like we need a manager who can who can manage both you know who can you know get away from the Gabe Kapler model of just solely making decisions based on the probabilities and what the spreadsheets are saying you got to have a human feel to it and of course this is all in the wake of Dan Campbell and the NFC championship game and do you go for it on fourth down in certain situations well the analytics say you have to go for it on fourth down and of course you know there's the human element of it and players sometimes are caught in the middle and they don't understand you're so right and, and you're right, a lot of baseball writers were saying this today, that this conversation that's taking place in the NFL is like exactly the conversation we had in 2012, 23, 13, 2014. And we had it here in Philadelphia. We had it here on this podcast in the 2017s, in the 2018 season, in the 2019 season, because we had to get away from Gabe Kapler and we had to bring some sense of sanity back to this organization because it, it because after Ruben Amaro, 
who didn't know that plate appearances were different than at bats. We went from that extreme to Gabe Kapler, Matt Clintac, and and now it seems as though we've found some kind of comfortable middle ground here where you're using analytics properly, but you're also allowing understanding that this game is played by human beings and they may they they may differ from from what the calculators are saying. So, yeah, very well, very just, very um, interesting day. You just name checked, I think, every executive and manager for the past several generations. Um, yeah, wow. That was you really. Did your eyes roll back in your head? That was pretty impressive. You just went. For I, it. I I have white foam around my mouth. If that if that <laughs> gives you some indication. Um, Liz oh. Rocher is also with us from Yahoo Sports. That Follow her. To me, sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking the fifth on that one. Liz Rocher from Yahoo Sports on Twitter at Liz Rocher. Uh, Liz, what's your take on all this? Um, I think uh, everyone's going to see what they themselves have experienced. Um, time will only tell. Like, football's been having this conversation on and off for years. I've been I've been writing about sports, you know, in, in a part or full-time capacity football at least since 2017 they've been having this argument since way before then going forward on fourth down is is like the the epicenter of it all and you know i everyone's just gonna say this this is exactly just like baseball and that's and it there are things that are similar um about them but this is an argument that has raged on there has not been a, and I don't think there will be like a definitive move in either direction. Like everyone's going to keep doing whatever works for them at the moment and be willing to change it up whenever they have to, which is all the time. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's, and the thing is there's no right answer, right? I mean, it's a combination of things and, and the folks who are able to kind of know when to put, the analytics or what the the what the odds and the probabilities say you should do with what may actually be the best thing in the moment and again there's no exact science to it either and sometimes you're going to make the right decision and the, and you're going to get the the bad outcome and you know you see a lot of that have played has played out throughout baseball these last few years and um you, you've also seen you know like the rays kevin cash removing blake snell early from a world series game when he's pitching a shutout and and it blowing up in their faces. And then you see instances where you pull a guy before a third time through the order and you end up winning the game because you were aggressive with your bullpen. I mean, it's just in football, you're going to, you know, the, the the Eagles with the Philly special on, on fourth and one 15 years ago, 10 years before that. I mean, even in the moment, the announcers couldn't believe the Eagles were going to go for it multiple times in that game, but it worked because they converted. So again, Player execution has so much to do with whether these things end up being smart or not. But uh, it's uh, it's it is fascinating. It is fascinating watching it happen in the NFL. And you're right, Liz. This fourth down decision making process is the easiest one for the fans to understand. I think mm-hmm. you know you see it up on the screen. It just says forty. 40- three percent probability um to go for it here you know what i mean like they just they they phrase it in such a way where it just seems like it's a no-brainer and we don't have any idea how they come to that number you know exactly that's a you know it's the same uh argument with Statcast and whatnot like we don't know how they come up with that number they taking into account the team's individual record uh, on fourth downs, you know, their history against the team, the, the players' individual records at those positions. Are they taking into account how well the other team defends, you know, teams going forward on fourth down? Like, there's so much that goes into it 
in baseball and football. It just it seems monumental in football because there are fewer games. Yeah. And you know, in baseball, there's so many games. There aren't too many different things you can do in the course of 162 games. Over the course of 17 games, or however many there are now, um, you know, if something's not working, you do not have time to wait and see often. Yeah. You can't yeah. wait and see if he pulls out of his slump. Like, no, you play him, or you've now lost him for like a part of, you know, you, you've lost this game, and there's no way for you to make that up, really. Well, it's uh, it'll be a fascinating thing for baseball fans, I'm sure, to to observe how the NFL rectifies this um, over the next uh, over the next few years because uh, analytics aren't going anywhere in football, just like they weren't going anywhere in baseball, and the old heads can scream about it all they want to, but uh, folks are going to have to get on the same page about this. Um, the MLB MLB the show the video game is releasing the cover on Tuesday, guys. Uh, a lot of debate as to who should go on the cover of MLB The Show. Liz, who should be on the cover of MLB The Show here in 2024? Who do you want to curse? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a question. Yeah, because it was Jazz Chisholm last year, and he spent most of the year, I think, injured, trapped underneath the wing of a plane or something. Jazz uh, Chisholm, weird selection last year. I like him as a player. He's a great, he's a fun player. He's a cool dude in general. My old uh, co-worker and editor at Yahoo Sports, Chris Swick, mm -hmm. um, interviewed him in advance of the cover being released last year. And he's just a really neat guy. You know, just nice and genuine. You root for him. And I think they chose him just because he's different and interesting. And he's a, <laughs> he's a black man in baseball. And sure. God forbid they actually showcase that in a sport that has a, a like continually shrinking number of those. Like it's already at historic lows. So, you know, it was a, it, it was a, a sort of offbeat choice, but I think a, a good one. But yeah, he spent most of the year cursed. Uh, like my instinct here is like, can it be anyone but... Shohei Otani? He was on in 22, so probably care. not. Uh, but I was thinking the same thing. I was like, it almost has to be. He did. He has changed uniforms, so maybe that's yeah. the reason they would use. But uh, they put Adley Rushman on the cover of the BP Annual. I'm thinking mm -hmm. those young Orioles are ripe for the picking. Unfortunately, with the attached curse, that's you know, unfortunate because I'm not rooting against them. But uh, I do think they are like they've just made the playoffs. They're a lot. Of, they're they're young. They're really good. They're like kind of changing the landscape in the AL East. I mean, I think that's that's in the ballpark of the right choice. I feel. I thought, my mom went to Julio Rodriguez, but that's probably because he was on it last year. <laughs> yeah, and I well, and here's the thing: you've got maybe 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 you take somebody from the world champion Texas Rangers maybe you grab yourself a um, oh, a, a Corey Seager and put him on the cover uh, of of I mean just one of the one of the had one of the three you know one was one of the third or fourth most productive players in baseball last year he's been great for for a long time you know the Texas Rangers never get any love you know I, I put put their best player on the cover of, of MLB the show I agree with you you know Shohei Otani probably you know is the most is easily the most marketable player, but you could choose, you know, any number of different guys. Acuna, you know, is a guy you could put on the front of that thing. Um, I was going to say, if know. he hasn't been on the front already, it, this he just won the MVP. Yeah, now it'd be the time to do it. had an insane, you know, historical season. So, yeah. actually, he makes a lot more sense than anyone else. I think it's yeah. probably going to be Acuna. 
Yeah, yeah, that would it could probably be Acuna. I think you're right. I think you're right. That makes the most sense to me too, unfortunately. Although he does seem like a cool guy. We were in the Slack, you know, he has a showing a picture of Acuna accepting the MVP award and just seeming like, you know, isn't this the coolest thing? You know, like just he was just the coolest dude. Just like a like <laughs> yeah. a genuine just like, "Hey, I'm like he's not even 25 yet, is he? He's a baby." And he's like, he's got a velvet suit on. He's got like some black nail polish. His hair is amazing. He just looks like the awesomest, happiest dude in the world. He, they have a picture of him kissing the plaque. And I'm just like, yes, why can't he be on our team? I would love to love him. Unfortunately, yeah, he's. it's not meant to be between us. No, he's entering his age 26 season here this year. Ronald Acuna is good heavens. Wow. Um, yeah. Um, and one, I saw another question before we get to, you know, any any hot stove stuff here, the little bit of hot stove stuff that's out there. I saw this question. I think a New York outlet was asking this question, and I think it's an easy answer. And I, But this they were asking This is not a real it, question. This is not a yeah, real question. Well, well, they were asking it of Mets fans, and I think some Mets fans were, were, were saying – an answer that I certainly wouldn't answer, but they're asking as a fan, which season would you rather have had the 2023 Mets or the 2023 Phillies? And I guess the, the, the way you're asking that question is what, what's more torturous for you as a fan base or what's worse for you as a fan base, a season where you spent all this money, you came into the season with high expectations, high hopes, you have a, a championship caliber ball club and you watch everybody underperform. It, it falls apart from the very beginning. You're selling players by the trade deadline. It's a lost season. Uh, and, and now you're taking a gap year here in, in 2024, it seems like. Just a total waste, disappointment, dead season or a season like the 23 Phillies where you get so agonizingly close to getting back to the World Series, but you choke away games six and seven and you end up falling short. And it's one of the most painful losses in in, in franchise history. Which which season would you rather have had? I mean, Justin, Again, to not me, a the real no, question. <laughs> yeah, it, it's easy. I would I would much rather have the memories of the 23 Phillies. I mean, they made they made memories last year for for sports fans, even though it ended badly. Man, that's just a dumb question, isn't it? <laughs> hey, Mets, Mets fans have talked themselves into believing they're in this the perfect spot. They 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 think like this is this is great. You know, Steve got he saved the franchise. Smart, savvy moves all 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 went down at the trade deadline. It, this is punting on the season. Was, it was the right thing to do, and like, gosh, we are so smart, and we are so set up for the future. So I'm trying to understand the logic of why they would pick the Mets, but you really can't pick the Mets if you're if you're allowing for the context of the question, which is, as you said, you have no knowledge of the future when the season starts in this scenario, right? Like, and then and then everything happens as it did, and you're like, oh no, yeah, I'm glad that everything we set up failed. I'm glad we had to trade the two pitchers we we acquired who were supposed to be the top of our rotation. I'm glad we missed the playoffs in a season we were expected to make the playoffs. Uh, and I'm glad we now have to wait one year. And like you said, one year, maybe two. They even said, you know, maybe we won't be competitive until 26. Yeah. People forget that. That's part of the Scherzer quote. He's, they said 25, mm -hmm. maybe 26. Uh, so... That you got to sit here for two more years with no expectations and just watching them rebuild uh, all of the sudden. I don't know. I, I guess that if you're like a sick, cruel person, that, that would be a better use of your time than watching a team, you know, play out of a hole, make the playoffs, go on a run, you know, have a lot of fun doing it. Yeah, I, I don't get the I don't. That's that's a strange question. You're kind of just asking uh, freaks to identify themselves. It's 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 Mets fans think that. 
suffering is a is like a, a mantle uh like an award that you get like they're going to be rewarded somehow for this which does not happen you can be a fan of a team for your entire life they will win nothing and you will die sad that's just how it goes like mm-hmm. they, it's like they think that suffering is just part of it like it's not like in 2015 the phillies went 63 and 99 would you have rather lived through that or lived through the mets that year who went to the world series unexpectedly and lost yeah. The, Mets, the Mets went backwards last year. Like, <laughs> yeah, they went backwards. They, they pedaled backwards three years. Like, yeah. yeah. Like, I would, <laughs> there's no question in 2015, I would have rather seen the Phillies, who had gotten there somehow, lose in the World Series than endure them win- losing almost 100 games. Of course. I mean, there's you no can question still- about that. Yeah, you you can still look back on the 2023 postseason series against the Braves and and enjoy that masterpiece. Yeah. You know those two games against the Marlins, where you can still enjoy those masterpieces. Now I don't I, I I can't take any of those games in the NLCS that they won and enjoy those yet. That that might come at an, another time, but you know then the 22 playoff run again we've talked about it all before just so many memories from that it almost it almost doesn't matter that they didn't win the world series it it does matter that they didn't win the world series but it was it was such a ride that it really as more time goes on you're like man i just remember so much great stuff about that run it almost it almost doesn't feel like it's that big a deal that they didn't win the world series of course i say that and of course i'm talking out of my rear end just to make myself feel better about it but yeah but people have talked themselves into this idea that every season is a failure that doesn't end in a world Series. You're right. That, it's, that it's some kind of all-encompassing like response that you can be like, oh man, this was a great home run. Yeah, what happened at the end though? Like that's not that's not how you're living that experience as yeah. it happens. So like you still get a bunch of really good memories out of that. Yeah. I, I, I that that's just become so prevalent that the idea of if you didn't go all the way, then you wasted your entire time. That's, no. no, it's not true. The playoff yeah. game that Justin and I attended together is like one of the best memories of my entire like sporting history. I had so much fun that night. Like is that, that the is fact that, is... that they didn't win the World Series doesn't make that worse. Was that the playoff game that I drove up from Virginia for to do the tailgate outside the stadium and then left? And I believe it was. To the playoff yes, it game was. On the radio on the <laughs> yes, way home back because to Virginia. I, yeah. yeah, because yeah. I said, "Wow, John, you're going to your first Phillies playoff game tonight," and you, <laughs> and you said, said, "No." Hang on a second. <laughs> I'm not doing you, that. You said what as you were driving away? Like, oh, I didn't hear your question as you were like speeding down the road. Yeah, I like to drive with the windows open, so I just couldn't. It was too much noise. Um, All right, well, let's dive into a little bit of what's been going on here in the relief market over the last couple of days. Another few signings out there have taken some options off the board. Hector Neris, old friend, has signed a one-year deal with the Cubs for $9 million. He had been asking for like three years, $33 million. He didn't get it. uh, Yeah. (laughs) And I'm kind of surprised, like, if it was one year, $9 million, why the Phillies didn't bite at that, but they didn't. Uh, Adam Adovino uh, has signed a deal with the New York Mets. David Robertson with the Texas Rangers. No, no part of David Robertson and really no part of Adovino either. They just, none, neither of those guys did it for me. Uh, Neris is somebody I would have uh, wanted to sign. Now, Scott Lauber reports the Phillies have been rumored to be interested in Jacob Junis, most likely as kind of a swingman, a potential 
sixth member of the starting rotation, but could also be a, a relief pitcher. He was a, a Gabe Kapler darling last year for the Giants because they had like six of these guys, and this is exactly what Kapler wanted. Somebody he could use for four innings here and then pitch out of the bullpen here, and then five days later he could give him another start and give him, you know, five innings here and stuff. And there's just – Jacob Junis had to have hated that. But he has a, a 4.75 ERA – uh, from 2017 to 2022, but last year pitched very well for San Francisco, a 3.87 ERA, finished above league average in walk rate, strikeout rate, and hard contact rate. Um, I think opponents hit uh, 2.16 against his slider last year. So I mean, he's a guy who's right-handed. Uh, he, he, the Phillies could decide just to make him if they were to go out and, and pursue him and sign him. They could make him just a, a bullpen guy and, and see where that goes. Phil Maton, also of course, uh, Scott Lubber mentions as somebody the Phillies uh, have had some interest in. We've talked about Phil Maton a lot on the podcast. Um, there's a couple other guys. Ryan Stanek, Wandy Peralta are, are both out there. Peralta's a left-hander. I was talking about him with. Big, uh, baseball prospectuses, Craig Goldstein, uh, the other day when I had him on the podcast in the middle of last week. Uh, so some different names still out there, Justin. Uh, but at this point, if you're looking for a Craig Kimbrell replacement, and we've we've talked about the different possibilities in in-house, um, outhouse. I'm gonna just yeah, I like that phrase. Um, the the different possibilities that remain available. Is it worth it at this point? Like, is it is it worth Grabbing Jacob Junis now, Phil Maton now, Ryan Stanek now, Wandy Peralta now at, here as as free agents, or do they just go into spring training with Ryan Kirkering earmarked for uh, a more prominent role? Because it feels to me like if letting all these guys go and sign, the, the, this is what we've got is what we're going into Clearwater with. It just it doesn't strike me that they have really any any push to sign anybody else right now. Well, seeing as how the Phillies really shouldn't lose a whole lot of the players they are trying to sign uh, to other teams, given that uh, Dombrowski said when the offseason started, he felt like he had the backing from ownership he needed to get done whatever he needed, whatever he wanted to get done. So, like, you have to assume then that these pitchers aren't slipping through their fingers. They're just not being pursued as aggressively by the Phillies. So that kind of tells you they might be taking a more passive approach. I don't think you can think of whoever they acquire next in terms of, oh, this guy will replace Craig Kimbrell, this, like, hard-throwing veteran who had a couple of really good stretches for the Phillies' bullpen last year. That guy's not available anymore. What you are right. seeing is that I think something has just kind of has, has changed, and maybe that's just out of necessity because of who's available and, and the approach they've taken this uh, this off season. But they certainly aren't prioritizing like the hardest throwers they can find anymore. Because you're seeing three names pop up the last couple of days: in Colby Allard, Phil Maton, and Jacob Junis, who are uh, not known for being particularly high velocity guys, and are much more leaning into their uh, location as far as their uh, toolkit goes. So they you know they're not they're not being as aggressive in pursuing like okay, where's the where's the guy who like has an established presence in the league who can maybe hit triple digits cuz you know not only is that guy not available but the Phillies didn't really pursue anybody who fit that description when they had the chance. Uh, not hard enough to acquire them. So yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't think they're downplaying the issue. I think they just weren't as intense about finding a, an analog replacement for, for a Craig Kimbrell. I think I think they trust themselves a little more in, in picking up guys like Allard. I think they trust, trust their pitching lab a little more. Uh, and I think they think they can find the guy they need from places other than the highest levels of free agency. 
Yeah, Liz, what do you think about uh, about their pursuit right now or or lack of pursuit? I mean, is is there should there be more of an, a sense of urgency at, at this point, given given what's out there, or do we just do, do we just roll with what we have and and then you know kind of address as the season goes along if 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 need be? I mean, I, I would still feel better if they went out and got somebody, but I, I don't, you know, maybe it doesn't have to be somebody who is like Craig Kimbrell. Maybe it could just be another decent arm for the bullpen. Yeah, like I. We're thinking like we need a Craig Kimball replacement, and I don't necessarily think that is true. Mm-hmm. I think they need maybe another guy in the bullpen, but I think they should just roll with what they have. You know, I don't think there's anything out there that's worth getting. I, and I think yeah. if if they're just signing a guy to put someone there, that's the wrong move. You know, if they're just signing a guy to do it and to look like they're doing something – you know, because they need someone, that's that's not the right move. And I don't think that's the way Dombrowski does business in general. He's not going to sign a guy because he thinks they need someone. He wants to sign someone because they're right for the team or he thinks they can make them, he can, they can make him better. Yeah. And I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. Like, none of these guys scream any of those things to me. And well, I think so. Like, I, I think they should just go to spring training with what they have, see what you know, what other teams can't keep on their roster, and go go from there. I think that's a better way to do things than signing, you know, Phil Maton. I think Jacob Junis appeals to them because of what you said, John, because he, he started and yeah. he's relieved and he kind of fills that versatile <laughs> long relief Good. guy. Uh, but he got better in San Francisco. They'll be getting a better player than the Giants got when they brought him in because they helped him. They they shut down this cutter he was throwing. They helped him develop a changeup, which he he was he was like, I've been trying to develop a changeup for years, and I was just not getting it right. And they finally helped me like uh, come up, like, throw this changeup that with the right hand movement, it's easier to disguise. And he had a lot more success with it later in the season. So like. This is this is a guy who who will be who, who has improved since uh, since going to San Francisco. So you know the Phillies might see the same thing or, or something else like the Giants saw that they can make an adjustment in, and he's clearly open to making them. And yeah, that that kind of more versatile role is the kind of guy I think they're looking at because Dombrowski has also said, given our pitching depth. We're not really attracting the biggest names, you know, because they don't want to fight for playing time. They don't they don't want to wonder if it's like their job yeah. tonight to close out the game. So I think a guy who's, you know, still got something to prove, still got stuff to improve and can fill a variety of roles probably has a lot of appeal to them because they can just pick him up and it, it won't be a big deal. And, and my guess is Jacob Junis. Nobody's out there looking to add him as a starting pitcher who's going to make a start every fifth day and get 160 to 180 innings out of the guy. I, I just it doesn't seem like he's he's that kind of a, a player. But, I mean, he might just hang out on the free agent market for a while. So even if the Phillies are interested and want to pursue him, if he's, again, like you said, not feeling what the Phillies have to offer, they can wait a little bit on this. But you're right. It does make sense. He would be the Michael Lorenzen-type player. Um you know, it probably, you know, Lorenzen was an all-star last year, but by the time the Phillies got him, he had a couple of good starts left in him, and then it was, you know, rough sailing after that. So I would be interested in Junis for the role that we're talking about here as kind of the swingman guy. And I think if I was going to look at, you know, adding another reliever, I, I would, depending on, you know, 
I don't want to say depending on the price because the price doesn't really matter. I, I think Wandy Peralta, even though he's a left-hander, has has really good stuff and could be an effective guy, especially if Gregory Soto is as inconsistent this year as he was last year. You know, I don't like relying on him as as a late-inning reliever, so Wandy Peralta coming in could certainly help out in that respect. And and I think Ryan Stanek has has shown in Houston during during the course of a number of years that he could be a really effective middle to late inning reliever. And, you know, I, I, I like I, I like either one of those guys coming in. I I would like to see them bring someone else in. Also because I'm just nervous about I know we've we've talked about it before. I'm just nervous about relying too much on Orion Kirkering. You know, I, I it's So that's something else. The Phillies have kind of brought up there's a couple of guys who are like, oh yeah, his job's not guaranteed. Like we're we're hope you know, we're kinda hoping he gets it, but his job's not guaranteed. You saw that with like Johan Rojas, you saw that with Orion Kirkering, but then the other things you see written about them and the way they're you know, the way their role is kind of being described as we get closer to the actual preseason. It sounds like I think there's more faith in them that like the 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 way that it has to be communicated to the public is like, oh, yeah, you know, he's got to win his job. But I feel like these guys probably have more faith in them than the sort of more ambiguous descriptions make it sound, if that yep. makes sense. Like, yep. I, I yeah. think the Phillies are putting their faith in younger guys like that going into 24. Yeah, yep. agree. Yeah, I agree with that, too. Well, that's where we are on the bullpen right now. And again, we'll wait and see if uh, if if the Phillies do anything. But every time we pop on this podcast, another two or three relievers are off the board. So uh, there's not a whole lot of guys left. Uh, there was an article that I thought uh, was interesting. It was in the Philadelphia Inquirer. Uh, Rob Thompson talking about wanting to get off to a faster start here in 2023. Because we all know how much they've struggled in April and May. Uh, they got off to a rough start last year. There were certainly more reasons last year for the slow start. You had Bryce Harper missing the first month of the season. And then even in the second month of the season, still wasn't really right. But you've got the yearly Kyle Schwarber uh, swoon in April and May. You had the World Baseball Classic last year kind of messing things, uh, especially I think with Trey Turner. I think that messed with Trey Turner a little bit, but it, they, all the guys who performed for the Phillies in the, in the World Baseball Classic got off to really uh, slow starts. That's not going to be the case this year. And, and I thought Rob Thompson had some interesting things to say in what they're really going to focus on here in, in the spring. They want to get off to a faster start. They want to get their star players more at bats. They want these guys to play more in spring training. I don't think we're going to see as many spring training games uh, where you have Carlos De La Cruz starting at first base. You know, I think you're going to have, I think you're going to have more Trey Turner. You're going to have more Schwarber. You're going to have more Real Muto. Even if it's not in the big league games, Thompson was saying they'll do more to get them at bats over at the complex, you know, getting getting at bats every single day, multiple multiple innings during the course of every day just to get them get them more in in game ready speed by the time the end of spring training rolls around. Man, you are selling Phillies spring training tickets right now. I am just hearing get, cash get down to Clearwater, signs. you know, <laughs> hit, hit your hit your ride on box it's day. It's going to be the man. starters from day 1. Bryce Harper, give exactly. him 9 at bats in a game. Why not? Just do it. sign up. Where do I sign? Where do I sign for this? <laughs> uh, he's also going to say that for the relievers, he's going to get more work for the relievers. He's going to get them pitching back-to-back games in the spring. They're all going to go 1 plus innings at multiple times just to kind of work that up he said they're all going to have a dirty inning where they come in with runners on base hello dirty inning 
Yeah. Free advertising. Thanks, yeah, Rob. He knows. Rob listens to the pods. You try to do that in major league spring training games, he said, and not necessarily in minor league games because there's a lot less adrenaline. So you're going to see games where they bring in Jose Alvarado, runners on first and third, and nobody out, just to kind of get them in those situations to get them comfortable for the start of the season. And he said he plans to run the last five to seven games of spring training just like a regular season game. So for the last week of spring training, it's like, okay, let's go. We're playing real baseball starting right now. So I think it's I think it's interesting. They're gonna start to do some different things here, guys. And I guess last year, by the by the time the regular season was over, the Braves win the division. Obviously, the Phillies get the wild card. They beat the Marlins easily in the wild card round. And then when the Braves end up not hitting against the Phillies, forget about the fact that Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola and uh, Ranger Suarez have always pitched really, really well against the Atlanta Braves and have owned them throughout most of their major league careers. The The thought process was that the Braves layoff hurt them offensively and they, they couldn't do anything, blah, 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 blah. But I guess the question is, is it is, how much do you want to win the division this year, Liz? Like, how important is overtaking the Braves and finishing first in the National League East, given the fact that the Phillies have gone further than the Braves each of these last two seasons, not winning the division? Is it really important to you? Is it somewhat important to you? Is it not that big a deal to you to win the division? It is not that big a deal to me. Um, and I think what the Phillies are doing in spring training really says a lot about how the organization views their stamina, as opposed to a couple of years ago when we were all convinced that they were completely gassed at the end of 22. They just ran mm -hmm. out of gas against the Astros. This year, it's not that they were tired. They just weren't hitting. They all had yeah. enough left in the tank this year. And I think yeah. we're seeing that reflected that the most important thing is not making sure everyone gets as much rest as they can before the season starts. It's making sure that everyone is in a good place mentally and physically with the season starting and everyone is in a rhythm. And to me, like, if that's how they want to play it, then it does not matter to me whether they win the the NL East or not. I don't yeah. think they will anyway. Like, why are we stressing over it, over it? Until the Braves show that they have actually fallen down at least one rung on the ladder, if not more, then there's no, like, for me, there's no reason to stress over it. I think what, what they're focused, I mean, they're going to say that they want to win the NL East, but I think realistically they're focused on not having to make such a huge climb and be so stressed about the wild card down the line, mm -hmm. you know, which is when they can get some of their players rest when, you know, at a critical yeah, time. Yeah, I mean, I get it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, especially get the bullpen, uh, get the bullpen guys some some rest heading into the playoffs. Get them get them as sharp as possible. But again, they're Justin, there's that balancing act between getting them rest, keeping everybody sharp. You know, I mean, and, and it's it's going to be an issue. Like, and and I don't. Again, I I agree with Liz. I don't think the Phillies are going to overtake the Braves in the NL East. The Braves are a juggernaut. I think they have more talent. I think they're they're well built to do better over a 162-game schedule than the Phillies. And again, that hasn't really mattered all that much over the last few years. But um, I'll ask you the same question. How is it important How important is it for you, for the Phillies, to, to finish in, in first place and, and win the division? Is it a big deal? Well, when the time comes, you want the Phillies to make the playoffs. However, it is still possible for them to make the playoffs. So once they're in, it's not, it's not going to be as important to me personally. But it's becoming a bigger deal. 
I think. First of all, isn't that the next natural phase of this? Isn't it getting a little cliche to be the underdog in an NLDS against the Braves and then send them home sobbing with their minds shattered? Like, I think now it's it's time to do a redux of the of the Mets thing from like 07 and, and, and break the Braves' hearts in the regular season. You know, be the underdogs at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like that narratively would be a natural development of this. You know, in the sequel, you got to start trying new things in the spirit of the old things (laughs) yeah uh but logistically getting a wild card spot also for the phillies hasn't worked as thrilling as it's been they have not won the world series in these two appearances as a wild card team maybe having to play fewer playoff games means fewer chances for stuff like nick castellanos to stop seeing the ball yeah so yeah you know like that's that also could be an advantage and we all spent this uh, post nlds period talking about how what a joke it was that the braves were blaming the playoff format so we can't actually think that the playoff format would affect the phillies since we all believed that it didn't affect the braves just saying uh so uh i feel like it would be a boon for the phillies to win the nl east i'm only i'm just not prioritizing it for myself because I I still don't think it's super feasible, honestly. The Braves are just a totally complete team, and we're sitting here wondering who's going to be the mop-up man for the Phillies. I, I don't know. Yeah. It's... Well, I mean, I, yeah, I agree with that. I think the Braves are, are a spirit team, like I said, but I think the Phillies are I think the Phillies are closer to them, certainly, than the, the final record last year indicated, simply because, like you said, we had all those extenuating circumstances that help them get off to a slower slower start than I think they will get off to this year. I think it'll be a closer race throughout most of the year than it was last year. And I don't think, I think the Braves are going to take a little bit of a step back. I mean, everybody in their lineup had a career year last year. That's just, that's just not going to happen um, in 2024 the way it did in 2023. But that doesn't mean they're not going to win over a hundred games. They probably will win over a hundred games. If not, they're going to be in the 95 to hundred range anyway, but maybe the Phillies are increased their ceiling. I I'm coming around to it. They, They shouldn't kill themselves to win the division, but they should try. And I think they will try because I think there is added benefit. And I think as this playoff format goes along, I think you will see more top seeds, number one seed or number two seeds that get that layoff, that get to skip the wild card round. You will start to see that be an actual advantage rather than a disadvantage in in the Major League Baseball playoffs, like it is in the NFL playoffs most of the time. Not all the time, but most of the time, uh, those number one seeds, when they get that by, it's a it's a clear path to the Super Bowl. When you just have to win two series, a division series and a championship series to get to the World Series, a whole lot easier because, again, the Phillies have had an easy time in the two wild card series, but there is nothing to say a wild card team can't jump up and bite them, even as if the Phillies are the top wild card. You know, you just... It's more. There are more opportunities when you play in the wild card round to lose. So let's let's avoid that if we can. But you also don't want to be stupid about it. Um, and so you know, Rob Thompson and the Phillies will figure out a way to kind of navigate all that for sure. But I think it'll be interesting to see what they do to try and get themselves more prepared for the start of the season. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. I love that this is being announced as a plan. Like you know what, we're just not gonna get off to a slow start. And I gotta say, if Kyle Schwarber can just decide to start hitting before June. I know, right? And just just right? hasn't hasn't decided that to this point, then yep. I'm going to be pretty upset. Yep. 100%. He's got to stop taking off the first two months of the season. He's not trying to do it, but it's just it's infuriating. And you keep like he keeps sitting at the top of the lineup and and hitting 165 with no home runs. I mean, you just like, you can't you can't live that way. You can't live that way. 
Um, all right. Uh, last thing here before we wrap it up, I thought, you know, as we're kind of looking for some stuff to talk about, right. One of the things that's out there are all the, the projections, uh, that are out there. And I, I was looking at the Dan Zaborski zips projections. There's the steamer projections, you know, every website has their own projections as well. And just taking a look at some of the projections and, and looking at last year's numbers and, you know, what, what different Phillies players could do. I have a few different offensive players and we'll do pitching maybe next week or something like that but some over-unders on a couple of numbers for some of the key Phillies players and I want you guys to tell me uh over or under what you think for each of these different things and I hope I've got some some numbers here that that make sense okay all right uh Liz let me start off with you here over under on Trey Turner's batting average I've set the number at 290 over or under for Trey Turner's batting average um I'll say over Justin, over under. Uh, I'm gonna say under, but um, I'm thinking you know 270, 280. Like he's not. I don't think he's gonna have a bad year, but I don't want to jump to two extremes too fast. This just in. Yeah. Justin hates Trey Turner. This just in. He does. Liz loves the Braves and Ronald Acuna. Yeah, that's true. I don't lose. I don't lose lose this at all. I don't know why we let a Braves fan on the podcast, (laughs) but seems weird. Listen, you're all wrong. You're both all wrong. You both are doing this wrong. Now, Trey Turner, former National League batting champion. I'd kind of forgotten about that. 328 in 2021, uh, 298 with the Dodgers in 22, 266 with the Phillies last year. So, uh, 290. I will probably take the under on Trey Turner's batting average. Uh, I'll say he's under 290. I've set I the also numbers said under. I don't know how that's wrong. I also said under. <laughs> yeah, I know you did. What did, I, did I say you said over? You said we were both wrong. Man, no, Liz. we didn't. You said I we're both doing you. it wrong. <laughs> is what you said. I don't, I think. I, it's not what I meant. I don't know what I was saying. I must have had a I didn't think that's what you meant, but Justin second. obviously did. Yeah. <laughs> Listen to you taking me at my word and listening to the actual words coming out of my mouth. I really have, I've told you about that. We're not doing that's, that. That's, on my, this bad. Podcast. that's my bad. That's my bad. You're bad. Um, no, I agree. Yes, Justin, I said under 290. Uh, Liz, over 290. I'm going to go with the under as well. Uh, Bryce Harper, home runs. I've set the number at 32. It feels kind of low to me, uh, but Bryce Harper, over these uh, last few years with the Phillies, has had some trouble staying healthy at times, and he had the long homerless streak. And as I'm looking at his uh, recent numbers, uh, he had 35 in 2021, but 18 in 2022, 21 in 2023. Uh, He had 35 with the Phillies in 2019. So he's kind of been a little bit all over the map. So put the number at 32 home runs for Bryce Harper. Justin, over or under? Over, I'm saying 38. Okay, 38 for Bryce Harper. Liz? Over, I'm saying he hits 40. Brochure. Oh, okay. 40. Did oh, you say God, something that it. wasn't I, my name? If he's... <laughs> No, I said Liz, and then there was a there was a silence for a little while. I wanted to make sure that the other Liz didn't think it was her turn to talk. I was just trying to be... The silent Liz. Just trying, trying to keep the show moving along here. Didn't want to cause confusion. Yeah, I, I think... This is all based on his health, right? I mean, if he's healthy, he's going to go over 32 home runs. And I agree, he could approach 40 home runs this year. I think uh, the odds on him winning MVP are very high this year, or at least being an MVP candidate. Um, So, yeah, I think over for 32 home runs. I probably should have put the number at, like, 35. It might have been a tougher call. But, you know, again, based on his most uh, last two seasons, he hasn't come close to 32. So, there we are. JT Real Muto, OPS of 760. Liz... 
over or under JT Rail Muto's uh, uh, OPS of 760. And just as a point of reference, looking back to last year, OPS of 762. Uh, before that, in 2022, an OPS of 820. So uh, he's generally speaking been over 800. Last year was his career low at 762. I guess this really kind of depends on how you feel he's trending. Yeah, I guess um, I'm going to, I'll just stay optimistic. Like his his 2022 and 2023 are, are so are, are so different and the way he looked in the early season like he he didn't look right for at least part of the season to me so i i'm optimistic that he'll be able to bounce back maybe not to his previous levels but i don't think he'll have an ops that low justin entering his age oh. 33 season yes ops of 760 uh, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say over not as high as uh, 820 though. Uh, I'll I'll say still under 800, but higher than than 760. I'll tell you a real good one. Over under JT Real Muto 20 stolen bases. Oh yeah, because he had he what 16 last bases. year. 20. I'll say under. He does love stealing bases, but he's only been over 20 stolen bases once in his career. That was in 2022. He only had 16 last year, which is kind of surprising. Um, I'll say but under he, he, just, he tried five more times. He tried over 20 times last year. That's true. He was 16 for 21. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I'll say under, um, on that stat, but, uh, with the new rules, I mean, yeah, maybe he does run a little bit more here and he's easy. I know he's entering 33, but he's still in really good shape. You know, I, I don't think yeah. I don't think the decline is necessarily going to be huge here. Um, Alec Bohm wins above replacement one point eight. Justin, higher uh, is that over or under uh, for Alec Bohm this year? Wins above replacement one point eight because that's about where he's been in his career. A little bit less than that, a little bit more than that here and there. I guess are we expecting a bump from Alec Bohm this year, or I, I feel like kind of what he is is what he is, and I'm, I'm that's. I don't know whether I feel like he's going to go above that or below that. Well, the way I started thinking about this is I'm I'm thinking either Bryson Stott or Alec Bohm is going to find a new gear in 2024. But since I can't determine which, I'll just say it's both going into the season until we know who. But in recent weeks, I've come to feel like Bryson Stott has more to unlock and Bohm is more like what you're saying. I think we know who Alec Bohm is now. I think we have a book on him. I don't think it's a terrible book at all. Uh, but uh, I will say, what is his track record with, what is his typical, a typical war output? From well, him? yeah, is now that, that I'm looking at it, I set it too high. Um, in 2021, he was negative 1.3. Uh, in, yeah. <laughs> in 22, he was 0 0.8. Last year, he was 0 0.4. We should adjust that. Let's say, yeah. <laughs> let's adjust, adjust that to 0 0.7. Uh, all right. I will say, I'll say, I'll say over slightly over Liz. Um, I'm going to say, I don't want to say over under, I want to say right on it, but I'll say under then I'll say over, but I'm going to say something unpopular and I would upgrade at third base after this year. I think I, I he's, you know, he, I like Alec Bohm, but he's he's not a guy you know what i mean like he he's just he, it's not that's not enough there you know what i mean like you're less than one win above replacement i mean you can't have a superstar at every position but i was just gonna uh, say 
but, but I mean, but you can have more than a guy who could very well be below replacement level or is at, you know, average replacement level. I mean, as long as he's, as long as he's not killing you salary wise, he made $748,000 last year. So, I mean, fine. That's the production value is fine for that, you know, but he's, he was hitting cleanup in the playoffs last year. Like they can't do that again. No. <laughs> they just yeah, they, they gotta they they can't they can't rely on him as a big bat in that lineup like it's just and, and the defense is still he was better last year but the defense is still not good so we've watched um, him evolve into a much more competent player and he, he is, is competent he is a success story for the Phillies he uh, organization he he really is and and obviously he's had his his whole you know narrative arc that's happened here and I think yeah like you you said the reason that statement is unpopular is because of the attachment everybody has for him and I think he's a perfectly good third baseman to have on a team that wins the World Series Uh, but you know yeah like like any team there's places you turn a few dials and they might get a little better and and that is one area because you know we cited we gave him a lot of credit for being um, their best hitter with runners on base or in scoring position last year part of that was just due to where he was hitting in the lineup but like the (laughs) the counterpoint to that is he also led the National league and grounding into double plays with 23 so yeah. like he he does uh you know he, there are flaws in his game i think we're all aware of that but you know this is personal now <laughs> yeah i i am I'm, I'm i'm looking to give him another year and if it's kind of a similar year i'm i might be looking to move on from from alec bohm next year but we'll see let's see let's see how 24 shakes out here uh, a couple more here brandon marsh played appearances I have the number set at 470. Last year, he got 472. The year before that, 461 combined with the Phillies and the Angels. And I guess a lot of this comes down to whether or not you think he's going to get more run against left-handers or if he's still going to be kind of a platoonish type guy. I keep forgetting, he was worth three and a half wins above replacement last year. He just had, oh. he had a phenomenal season with, with the Phillies and, and was their best hitter in the National League Championship Series. Uh, was really the only guy who, was, who remained consistent. So... Uh, uh, Liz, 470 plate appearances for Brandon Marsh. That's about what he's done his last two years. Does that increase this year? I mean, I was going to say, let's not change anything. It seems to it seems to be working at least somewhat. Um, I think if anything, he might get a little bit more if he can if he can sort of show himself to again be effective, um, at least on one hand. Then let's try him against both. I I don't understand. I didn't quite understand the reluctance to to keep him in a platoon like that because I just didn't think it was beneficial for the Phillies at all like I would rather see Marsh out there you know facing guys who pitch with both hands than to see Christian Pache hmm yeah yeah I mean I think uh with Brandon Marsh he he did show last year that he could hit some left-handers now he wasn't great at it at different stretches but you don't you know I I think he's earned if he doesn't do it more yeah and I think he's earned. I think he's earned some more playing time. It just. It, yeah. I, I'm not really confident, Justin, that Rob Thompson is gonna is gonna commit to him against left-handers. But I will say that he goes over 470. I think he goes over 500 plate appearances this year for the Phils. Yeah. Um. More Brandon Marsh is always a good thing. I think I'm wrong. I think that Rob Thompson will probably uh, be, rest- you know restrain him a bit mm-hmm. like we've seen but i'm going to say as my answer over because uh yeah that, that, that you got it like you said if you're a player's manager i get it uh wanting to give guys playing time wanting to use your platoons where you see they're accurate but you're also a player's manager you got to see that this guy like you said john earned his spot he, he earned a chance at least 
to yeah. be in, in to get more plate appearances to be more exposed and and just have more chances to do what he does so mm-hmm. yeah I, I say more all right uh let's see a couple more here kyle schwarber lead off home runs i have the number set at 10 it was 11 last year um justin there are some questions as to whether or not he should continue to lead off and can he continue to hit lead off home runs at this pace i mean it's just an unbelievable amount of home runs that this guy has hit leading off games so kyle schwarber lead off home runs over or under 10 and this is largely going to be based on i think whether you think he'll be the team's leadoff hitter all season long mm. well uh i guess if if he is the leadoff hitter all season long I, i'm gonna say that he, because um, the Phillies are obviously going to decide to just play better in April and May this year. Um, and because of that, I think, yeah, you can tack like two more on to last year's total as far as leadoff home runs go. Um, but if he's not the leadoff hitter and I'm not convinced that he should be, then yeah, I would have to say under. So if I have to choose one, <laughs> you do. I'm That's going how it to say, works. thanks, Liz. Uh, <laughs> then I will say, um, I'll say over because it's the more fun answer. All right, Liz, how about you? Over or under 10 leadoff home runs for Kyle Schwarber next year? I'm going to go with the under because, my God, I really would love for them to find a a different or better leadoff hitter even. Because as much as I love seeing Kyle Schwarber hit leadoff home runs, I would much more like someone to get on base more consistently. What are we thinking about Bryce Harper leadoff hitter? I say let's do it. Let him start off the game. He'd, He'd love it. And get we're him more about, at-bats? We're talking about Kyle Schwarber getting more chances with players on base. Bryce Harper is also... How quickly has the argument become, well, Bryce uh, Harper is yeah. doing See, well without guys on base? Like, there's no on. good option. There is there's none. no. There is no ideal option. I don't want to say good option because these guys are all good options, but there's no ideal option that I think we're like, oh, yes, quintessential leadoff man. But, I mean, Atlanta has Ronald Acuna leadoff, and the reason I'm thinking Bryce Harper is, well, Atlanta has their best player hit first every game, and gets him more plate appearances than any other player on the team, specifically because he's their best player. Now, yes. he adds a dimension with his speed. I mean, 70 stolen bases, of course, there's there's all that. So he he's, he's a different level of player than even Bryce Harper. I think we can all agree on that. But Bryce Harper is the Phillies' best player. If you get him the most plate appearances, maybe more good things happen. And, you, you know, Kyle Schwarber moves down in the lineup a little bit, but I, again, there's a, there's there's plenty of arguments against that. Like you mentioned, you, you take him out of the middle of the order. Um, it's he can do some damage hitting third in the lineup. So, yeah, I, I think it's probably going to remain Kyle Schwarber, and I'll put the number at I'll put the number under ten though. I just I think it's gonna he's, it's that's a lot of uh, ten leadoff home runs is a lot of leadoff home runs. Um, so even if he leads off all year, I'm not sure he he replicates that. He had 11 in in 2023. Um, all right, let's do uh, let's do two more. Bryson Stotts wins above replacement. I have that set at 2.8. And I'll tell you guys, I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be right around that number. I wouldn't be surprised if it's a little bit under 2.8. I, he was a four-win player last year. I don't know that we're going to get that level of production from him this season. I think we need to be expecting a little Bryson Stott regression. I would like to think he's a four- to five-win player, um, and, and maybe he maybe he will become that, but uh, maybe he will be that guy because that's all-star level play. Five-win player, you're, you're an all-star p- potential player. Well, maybe some people think he, that's where we're headed towards the first Bryson Stott all-star appearance. Uh-huh. Maybe. 
Maybe. I know there's been some whispers about that. So I, I'm imagining my 2.8 is going to seem a little low that. to you guys. What? What? I know. You've oh, been it's, it. it's me. It was you. I know. That. And I, I'm loudly agreeing. <laughs> and Liz, yeah, you know, people were saying that last year. Um, and I think people by saying Justin Clue. Saying <laughs> it was that, definitely him and maybe also Yeah, it was. If there's, oh, yeah. if there's anything I get in this town, it's too much credit. Too yes. much credit. I know. I know. Some people are saying. And... <laughs> <laughs> Little, that's our Justin's nickname around here. Some people. Um, anyway, Bryson Stott, over, under. Liz, you go first this time. 2.8. Too low? Too high? Over. I'm going with the over. I'm a Bryson Stott believer. I'm ready to get my heart broken. Let's do it. All right. Justin? Yeah, I'm saying over as well. Okay. I'm saying significantly over. I'll, I'll say over, but I'm not going to say significantly. I think he's going to be around three or something Say like significantly, that. John. <laughs> Just do it. What's wrong with you? Some people say now. that he won't be significantly over A coach told me today he doesn't think Bryson Stott's <laughs> going to be that much further than last year's war total. The nerds want Bryson Stott to be well over three wins above replacement. That's not how we do it here, old school oh, style. Boy, this is just people who want jobs in baseball. Seriously, nerds. I can't. <laughs> Last one. I threw a Jake Cave one in here at you. Games played for Jake Cave. 65 games Dear God, for Jake under, Cave. No! under, 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 under. I'm jamming my finger on the under button. <laughs> I'm gonna say under two. I don't think. I think even the Phillies realize they can't do another sixty. I mean, something's wrong if he's <laughs> yes. getting that much exposure, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. like something happened. Not just something. Like several many things have gone wrong. Now remember, a Jake gave a Jake Cave game played can just be one pinch hit appearance in the eighth inning or something like that. It doesn't have to be starts or anything like that. And he yeah, got you're it. Right. You know, no, he got about still, 60. that's too many. I, I I agree, but they yeah. I mean, done... it's it's too late for that fabled outfield bench bat guy they were supposedly <laughs> yeah. looking for. To they be haven't... anybody who's that much better than Jake Cave. Nope. So... They haven't replaced him, so he's he's still going to be. Oh no, a... they they re-upped. They re-upped on Jake Cave. They had yep. the chance, and they said yep. again. Yeah, I'm saying over 65. I think he. I think he plays more because he, he wasn't with the team for the first two months of the season. Like they kept him down in triple A for like the whole first half. Because he's probably going to be on this team's bench to start the season. <laughs> oh my yeah, well, God. Some of, these, some of these I'm answering because I think it's the right answer. And some of them I'm answering with what I hope is the truth. Yep. <laughs> right, right, right. No, that's understandable. We can't face the truth of a Jake cave with 80 games played this year. It's just, it's not something oh. I'm prepared to deal with. <laughs> All right, uh, that's enough of that. We'll do some pitching next week uh, with some with some over unders and uh, look at the pitching staff and and some guys there. Uh, let's wrap up the podcast here. We've been going on for a long time here, much longer than a podcast should when there is absolutely nothing to talk about. Uh, Justin, let's start with some final thoughts and let's go to you first. Uh, do you have anything final to share with our friends? Uh, just that in the name of baseball news and how much of it there is right before we started recording, the Mariners and twins worked out a deal for Jorge mm -hmm. Polanco mm -hmm. that I wanted to get your guys take on this Polanco's, you know, kind of power. He's kind of fast, doesn't strike out a lot, but he was on the injured list three times last year by July 28th. And for him, the Mariners gave the twins, uh, Justin Topa, Anthony Descalfani, Prospect Gabriel Gonzalez, outfield prospect. Uh, Darren Bowen, who I believe is a pitching prospect. And Cash to finish off DiScalfani's mm, deal. That is wow, a Jerry Chipotle um, special. Like, he had to have right? been, like, buzzed out of his mind. He's like, I get to give away four players and cash for this one dude. 
Why does he like it? Can only be both. He he can't do one or the. It's he has to do players in cash. And he just woke up this morning. He was like, "That's it. I'm making a trade. I'm doing it. I'm gonna dial a number blindly. I don't care which GM picks up, but we're making a deal. And I'll give him whatever he wants. I'll just say that right now. He's getting whatever he wants. It's an instant yes. He's unbalanced have to and make is a trade. bad at his job. <laughs> it's it's it is seriously obsessive compulsive trade disorder. I mean, he just he can't. He can't stop himself. And Polanco is a good player when healthy. All-star in 2019. Um, he's had an OPS plus over 100 in every year except the pandemic year. Uh, last year, I mean, he was, he's been like a nearly five-win player a couple times in his career. 2019, 2021 was nearly a five and, and played 153, 152 games those two seasons. So, I mean, he was healthy 2019 to 2021. Last couple of years, he's fallen off. He only played half the season last year and was worth two wins. I like him. I think he's a good player. He, he gives you some solid pop. He has a 30-plus homer season to his credit. Hit 14 and half a season last year. So, I, I really like him. So of course, the Twins um, are getting rid of him. And that's so a lot. That's win. a lot of baseball players. They gave up yeah. for him, though. <laughs> and one of them was a one. I think the the lead guy in that trade is a is a like a borderline top one hundred prospect type guy. Oh yeah, Gonzalez. Yeah, he is. Uh, what? I believe he is a top guy. Yeah, so that's a legit prospect they gave away uh, to get Polanco. <laughs> but Polanco he should be Polanco. jailed. Sorry, Jerry Depoto yeah. should be in jail. Uh, let's see if, uh, you know, things usually work out for the Mariners. So, you know, yeah. 55% <laughs> just got to, was that the percentage? You just got to win 55% of your games, 55% of your games. Come on. And that's, is, that's the kind of team that makes that trade. It's just math. Okay. Um, all right. Well, good, good thought there. It's a real, it's a real American hot stove baseball trade. And that's, we haven't seen many of those this off season. Um, you know, there's been a lack of free agent signings, but I've really even been disappointed by the lack of interesting trades that have gone down this off season. Like just nothing happening out there in terms of free agents or trades. So it's nice at least that we have a Jerry DePoto to give us something to look at. Um, thanks, Elizabeth. What's that? Thanks, Jer. Yeah. Thanks, Jer. Elizabeth, final thoughts. Friends, enemies, uh, I, I beg you to go to sports.yahoo.com uh, slash NFL and read all the amazing NFL content we have over there right now. Uh, my colleagues are doing incredible work um, on the spot in Baltimore, in Detroit, uh, and now in two weeks I have to go cover the most boring corporate world uh, Super Bowl of all time. So send them your prayers. Are you going to go stay at the Dorito Hotel out there, Liz? Are you that going out looks, there to stay at the, the big Dorito? That's so tacky, and it's it's tacky enough that I just desperately want to stay there. Yeah, and of only, course. But here's the thing. It only makes sense if they deck the rooms out in, in, in Doritos theme. Like, I want a Doritos yeah. comforter. And seriously, they better just have you full with like you should not be able to walk around that hotel without a small dorito bag in your hand or on your person like it, it should just be you cannot leave your room and walk around the hotel without doritos which i would stay there for that reason alone i mean i don't care what the price is if you're gonna give me some doritos cool ranch nacho cheese uh spicy um yes sign me up i'll go to the big dorito the dorito absolutely <laughs> I'll, I'll go to the big Dorito. Dorito. It sounds like the a roadside attraction combined with like some kind of cult headquarters. Yeah. It's officially time to end this podcast, guys. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, 
fantasizing about Doritos, it's 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 time we said goodbye. So I'm gonna I'm just gonna encourage everybody uh, to go on over to uh, our hit and season landing page uh, over at BillyPen.com. Our fine friends uh, with Billy Penn. Uh, that's where you can find uh, our content over there as well. Uh, read Liz's work over at Yahoo Sports, and like she said, uh, check out their NFL page. Read everything Justin's got going on over at Baseball Prospectus. You can catch my stuff uh, over at The Good Fight as well. And of course, you're gonna want to catch the Dirty Inning and. And you're going to want to catch uh, Absolutely Hammered over at our Hit and Season Patreon. That's at patreon.com slash hit and season. And on Thursday, Twitter and Instagram will be the first to learn about who wins these sports podcast group, baseball awards, best baseball podcast, and all the other sports that don't mean anything for 2024. Uh, so um, we'll be uh, hopefully, um, you know, first, second, or third there. We'll see. Probably not. But uh, that's when we will learn whether or not your votes mattered, friends. Uh, on Thursday at noon, I think is when they said noon Eastern time. So uh, hopefully, you know, we'll have some news next time we chat or something like that. Anyway, that's going to do it for this edition of Hit Season. Thanks very much, everybody, for checking in, and we'll talk to you next time right here on Hit Season. Hit Season.